Americana is brought to you in association with Man Cave, the range of men's grooming products which, just like us, are no-nonsense, all natural, and offer supreme performance all day, every day. Okay, so maybe they're nothing like us, but they're still awesome. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to Americanage. It is Wednesday, the 1st of June, 2016, and we're going old school this week, ladies and gents. It's just me and the Iron One, no Hollywood. Mind you, Harry, the producer's in the house as well. Yeah, disappointing. Hollywood, we're not sure where he is, but we wish him well. He's gone AWOL, Hollywood. He's gone AWOL in uh, his new very high power. Just let us know where you are, Woody, and we'll get the lawyer over. We'll sort it out. Hey, he's coming later. He's coming on Sunday. He's coming to the boss. He'll be back in time. He's running. Iron Mike, going to see the boss. We're all going. Well, Harry's Harry's got. um, uh, Harry's missus is back in town, so Harry's uh, he's got a pass. He's got a white pass for that. But uh, me, I'm Mike and Hollywood off to off to the boss on Sunday. So looking forward to signing autographs outside Wembley Stadium. Who Harry is? No, yep. (laughs) You're going to be signing autographs. <laughs> oh, lucky people. I, bet I haven't seen the boss since like 1985. He hasn't seen you since 1985. That's true, too. <laughs> yeah, no. that's the way you got to look at it. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, lots to get into in this week's show. And I, Mike and I, as I say, are going to go old school. The NBA finals, well, that's a whole lot to get into. The uh, Stanley Cup finals are already underway. We're going to have a lot from the Man Cave mailbag. Man Cave. Beautiful stuff, Mike. Uh, big up to Man Cave, our sponsors. That's where I'll start, actually. I'll get things underway. The Man Cave Question of the Week, which always runs uh, the Americanish Question of the Week, that is on the Man Cave app, which you can download from all uh, appropriate app stores. Uh, the winner this week, Harry reliably informs me, is Tom Weaver, right, Has That's the one. He answered the question correctly, and Man Cave goodies are his. He has got his hands on Man Cave goodies. How about that? Uh, so congratulations. If you go and download the Man Cave app, there'll be a fresh question that Harry will put up. Uh, you enter it. Uh, you mean? Yeah. Like fresh in the sense of rude? No, no, fresh in the sense of Man Cave makes you feel fresh. Uh, And new as well, fresh and new. So the Man Cave app is the place to do that. Also, let's give a big shout out to Unibet. Uh, Yes. Our our friends at Unibet, if you want to claim your Americanage offer there, you go to unibet.co.uk forward slash Americanage and sign up for an account. £25 free bet they'll pop into your account to play with. You can't say fairer than that. And if the NBA final's coming up, it makes sense to take a look at those odds, which we'll talk about a bit later on in the show. Uh, but we're going to start things as we always do with three points. This is where each of us, <laughs> that's me and you, I might. Hey, maybe we'll let Harry have a go this yeah. week. Yeah, our, our special guest visitor seems to have let us down. So. Uh, yeah, I think I might have messed that up. I think that might be my fault for getting the dates wrong. <laughs> so we won't even tell you who he was Ooh. so that you don't take out your rage on him when he does show up for a future show. Very good point. It's a very good point. Uh, yeah, we'll keep everybody in suspense there, but we'll be all right. We've done a few shows together in the past. Mike. Yes. I think we can handle it. Uh, so uh, three points is, this is where each of us picks up something that isn't necessarily uh, to do with sports at all, but we like it and we think you might as well so Mike what have you got well before I get to the original three point I was going to talk about I'll just mention the very first time I saw Bruce Springsteen and this was in 1975 and Mm. I had been down working in uh, Washington D.C. in Georgetown Visitation Convent School I was teaching at 
<laughs> I bet you were. And um, I was staying with a friend of mine. What were you teaching? Um, reading and study skills. <laughs> reading. You can't and, make this up. And um, <laughs> the Mike Carlson School for Kids Who Don't Read Good. Yeah, yeah. Don't well, read the nuns. Well. It was funny. I got along much, <laughs> much better with the more. nuns than I did with the so the lay teacher, so to speak. Yes. Um, but I was staying with my, one of my best friends who was going to law school in Washington at the time and was living in Hyattsville, Maryland, just outside. And um, he was from Tom's River, New Jersey, which is quite close to where Springsteen grew up. Right. And so he had introduced me to Springsteen with with the po- greetings from Atlantic City mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, album, from Asbury Park album. And um, I was dating this woman called Adriana. And so he would always call her Rosalita uh-huh. and say, how's Rosalita doing? And one time she came to pick me up at his place and... She came to the door and he opened the door and she said, "Hi, I'm Audrey. He said, "Rosalita's here," <laughs> which put me in the the street. Oh, I bet it did, yeah. Um, with her, but anyway, um, the the following summer, I was um, working in the summer school at my university, and Bruce Springsteen was playing Tanglewood, which is an mm. outdoor venue in the Berkshire Mountains, which is normally reserved for the Boston Pops Symphony Orchestra. And so, my best friend uh, from high school and I, and the girl who I was then seeing. Um, the, the lovely Annie Donnelly went up in her car to uh, to Tanglewood and saw the boss outdoors mm. live, obviously with about maybe fifteen hundred people there. Wow! Uh, because it hadn't he hadn't broken yet. Yeah, well, born, yeah. born in the USA hadn't been released. It yes. would come out in September that year. Yes. And I, this was just before I moved up to Montreal. Yeah. So that was just one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to. Yeah. And you know, the second time I saw him was at Wembley, there were eighty thousand people and it was still yeah. good. Yeah. yeah I mean yeah. for it, it was surprisingly intimate for such a huge concert. Yeah, he has that ability. But that first sure. one was just unbelievable. Oh good stuff good um, days. Well I'm glad you're gonna get to, to see him up close and personal. And, and let me recommend um on the ESPN website is something called the Diary of Miles Thomas, which is Build as real-time historical fiction. Mm. It's written by a guy called Douglas Alden and a team which includes John Thorne, who's the official baseball historian, a very mm. interesting guy to follow. Um, and what it is is the diary of Miles Thomas, who was a real player for the New York Yankees in 1927. And it goes day by day talking about things that were happening in 1927. Wow. So um, the one that I first stumbled on was basically, it was like a guest post by Ford Frick, mm-hmm. who was a sports at the mm-hmm. time, who later was Babe Ruth's ghostwriter mm-hmm. and then became commissioner of baseball. Yeah, He's right. the guy who put the asterisk on Roger Maris's home run record right. because he was protecting Babe Ruth. But Frick writes a piece about the return of Ed Sullivan. And anyone from the States knows Ed Sullivan was the host of the most popular variety show on Sunday night TV. But before that, he was a columnist, um, gossip columnist in the New York papers. And before that, he was a sports writer for the New York Graphic. Mm. So it's all about Ed Sullivan coming back to the press box at Yankee Stadium because he's been with Sybil Bauer, his fiance who was dying. And Sybil Bauer, who died of intestinal cancer at 23, was an Olympic gold medalist in the backstroke and the unofficial record holder for both men and women at the 440-yard backstroke. She used to train with Johnny Weissmuller and in a meet, which was not an official recognizing meet, but in a meet, she broke the men's world record by four seconds. (laughs) So she was a tremendous athlete, a young player, still in college, and and she was engaged to Ed Sullivan. Um, He knew she was dying, but they got engaged anyway. And um, so that was great. And then yesterday, I, I was just checking in with it, and the article was about both Mae West 
and her play Sex, which got her put into prison, mm. into jail, and Ruth, the Ruth Snyder murder trial. And this is a famous murder trial. Ruth Snyder and her boyfriend, um, who was a corset salesman named Judd Gray, conspired to kill Ruth Snyder's husband. And the guy was so inept that he killed him three different ways <laughs> <laughs> and then took the bus home so that the bus driver could identify him. Spot play. Um, Spot but anyway, play. it's about the trial. And um, Miles Thomas goes to the trial with Barbara Stanwyck. Wow. And it's just fascinating to read. This is really good. Go to the SPN website. I, I completely recommend it. It's, it's absolutely it's absolutely tremendous. Just another name check for it, Mike. It's the, the Diary of Miles Thomas. The Diary Miles of with Miles. a Y. Loving that. Great stuff. Uh, well worth reading. We'll post a link to that on our social channels as well, which incidentally, at Americarnage is our Twitter feed. Uh, we're on Facebook as well, Americarnage. We're also on Instagram, aren't we, Harry? How's that going? Are we, uh, have we posted much recently? Oh, yeah, loads. It's a, it's a cavalcade of sporting hilarity. <laughs> mm. We've posted nothing is what Harry means. Sounds like us. Uh, my three point is a Desert Island disc with Tom Hanks on it. Uh, now, um, ah, have you heard this? No, but I heard a little bit of when he was on Desert Island yeah. discs. Uh, I think they were promoing the show or, yeah. or something afterward. Yeah, it was on recently. He was it was on, on recently, that's yeah. right. And I heard it because I was away filming uh, uh, on uh, location for uh, over the weekend, long old shoot. And... Um, uh, and after uh, uh, day two, and it was a long one, shoot, a couple of beers in the bar, and then back to the hotel. And I realised I downloaded it. It was over the weekend, of course. So there weren't many sports uh, pods to catch up on, so I just popped it on uh, and listened to that. And uh, it was the next one up on, on Desert Island. This, and I'd heard about it and it referenced it. Tom Hanks, I would say, is amongst my favourite actors. Uh, and I've always got a sense, and this is the the, the word on the streets about him, that irrespective of how talented he is, he's just a genuinely good bloke. And uh, this clearly comes across in the interview. Uh, but it's more than that. It's more than uh, the fact that he's a nice guy. He talks very openly and very um, uh, honestly about his upbringing and the challenges uh, that he faced, but never in a, uh, in a regretful way and never in a, in a critical way of, uh, of his parents. He, had a, he came from a, a broken home and, uh, and moved around a lot. Uh, and at one point, and I think this is the the element of the or the part of the show that got quite a lot of headlines. He broke down and uh, got quite emotional. Um, uh, he talks very uh, insightfully about the craft. Uh, he talks also, I think, just has a very interesting perspective on life. And he talks about because, of course, Castaway inevitably comes up, given you know the nature of Desert Islanders. And he talks about the distinction and the difference between loneliness and solitude, and very eloquently oh. describes the the. The, the dif- distinction between the two um, his music's spot on as well which is um, oh, now on the pod of course they're limited about the amount of the songs they can play so it might be worth uh, finding uh, on iPlayer or whatever the uh, the equivalent is so you can get the full versions of, of the songs but it's well worth a listen and uh, what was his uh, so what was his ultimate favourite song Oh, his ultimate so he's had some goodies on there. the Beatles are in there and others but his ultimate favourite was Layla uh, Clapton Derek and the Dominoes was Layla that was his ultimate song hard uh, to hate yeah big time did he talk about his two greatest roles? Bachelor Party and, <laughs> yes. and, and Big. And well, I'd throw volunteers in there. Big did come up. I think volunteers <laughs> big, is, big is fantastic, actually. Mm. It's, it's a great bit of physical acting. Mm. Oh, his uh, ultimate song was um, Clapton. Well, what the hell was it? Oh, Layla? It. it wasn't Layla, though. It was... Um, Oh, I won. Uh, it's gone. Uh, it'll come back to me. Uh, Harry might be able to save my bacon here by looking it up. See if he can. Anyway, he's, he's on the case of that. Um, volunteers, incidentally, as a tangent, if you haven't seen it, early Hanks, and I think he, he's a great leading man, but he's a great comic actor as yeah. well. And it's John Candy, who we all love. Uh, it's a very underrated film. It's the film he met Rita Wilson, his wife, or right. his second wife, and, uh, and the love of his life. And it 
is Vintage Hank. So it was probably made just after Bachelor Party, but before Big, before he broke. So that's a that's a, a film uh, that might have gone underneath your radar. Well Bachelor Party watch. is probably the last movie in which hookers were hero and heroines. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like a good thing. Yay, <laughs> hookers! Well, there's a great scene at Bachelor Party when they're in the lift and the doors open. They're all crowded in the lift and the manager that's sort of trying to catch them goes, I'm the hotel manager. And they, there's a beat and then they all... <laughs> it's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful moment. All right, good stuff. Uh, let's get some sports going, cool. Iron Mike. Uh, let's start. What are we starting with? The NBA, I guess, right? NBA, yeah. if you like. Let's do it. I can do that. And a lot has happened since our last show, and the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA Eastern Conference, beating Toronto. It looked a little bit tight for a while. They went up two games. That may gave them 10 on the trot in the playoffs. But then Toronto came back to win two games in Toronto, and everybody's saying, oh, Cleveland's going to fold. But they came back, won game five in Cleveland, and then took game six in Toronto to close out the series 4-2, which gave them time to wait as Oklahoma City managed to blow a 3-1 lead over Golden State. They lost Game 5 in Golden State. Golden State then came back uh, in both senses of the word to win Game 6 in Oklahoma City and then won Game 7 again on a comeback um, in Oakland. And you have to say that basically when it came down to crunch time, Golden State was better in all three games. Mm. And, and Oklahoma City, who had played so well through much of the playoffs and really stymied Golden State in a, in a lot of ways, seemed to just disintegrate into almost a two-man game. And I think we discovered, too, that it's hard for Kevin Durant to carry a team. And Stephen A. Smith, surprisingly enough, said something I could agree with and, and said it coherently and three or four times within a one-minute segment. <laughs> but um, you, you have to say that uh, Westbrook is probably not really suited to be the point guard on a team and probably should be the off guard uh, for a team. But the interesting thing now about the finals, which um, will begin in two days, is that Cleveland may well have seen ways in which they could beat Golden State. And one of the things Oklahoma City was doing quite a bit was putting their bigs out on Clay Thompson and on Steph Curry. So often Durant, but also there, you know, Stephen Adams, the center of the New Zealand center, um, who's a big lumbering kind of guy, but he would go out there just to disrupt the flow of their play. They were hitting them a lot, you know, bumping them whenever they went past, trying to stop to stop the um the flow that way. And this year, of course, they've got Channing Fry, who's the kind of big big forward who could get out there and, and do that kind of thing. Uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving are both healthy, which I think is key for Cleveland because LeBron doesn't seem to really want to have to carry a team. Mm. And I think that's the big problem with them. This is his sixth straight final. Um, he's mm. been in seven overall, uh, the, the other one being back in 07 when uh, they lost to the Spurs. But his record is two wins and four losses in NBA Finals. And this is, you know, this is something where I think the LeBron legacy is probably kind of up for grabs at, at this point, mm. you know, because everybody looks at it and, and sort of thinks, well, they put together that Miami team, you know, with three of the league's, what, top eight players, you know, and ought to have won more than just the two out of four that the Heat won. <laughs> 
Great stuff, Mike. There are questions from the Man Cave Mailbag. Man Cave! Which we'll come to in just a minute. But let's talk... First, it's interesting. You talk about the tactics and, and talk about putting the bigs out uh, on Curry and kind of pushing them out to... What do you give up? Uh, what do you risk by by, by Well, that's the that thing. Um, and interestingly, they got a good game out of um, Andrew Bogut. Mm. Um, you risk giving up points inside. Mm. Um, and offensively, Oklahoma City were really trying to penetrate hard. I mean, Westbrook in particular was, was pushing Curry as much as he could um, coming down. But they're, they're such a big team. Um, and there's so many big guys now that I, and the game is is so open that you know I, I think it's um you don't actually lose that much. It's kind of like in the old days when big shooting centers, your Lambeers, or going back a generation before Jerry Lucas, you know would would go outside and try to draw the other team's center outside. Well, now I think what's happening is the, other, the centers are going outside mm-hmm. um, and trying trying to clear that middle. The thing that I think hurt Oklahoma City was they seemed to um, lose. Who's Inesh Cantor, um, who was the who's really their only center with an offensive game, and he had a he had a good game, and then you know the next one I think he only played nine he still had eight points but he only played nine minutes, mm. and he didn't fit that defensive pattern that they were in, um, and what you get you've got rangy guys who who kind of can cover behind you know mm. can make up that distance, um, but I was having a great argument about one of my with one of my friends who thinks the game's much better now because it's played as he said above the rim and I said well that's kind of a misnomer because the reason the game is played above the rim is because it's played so sloppily below the rim so it's easy enough to get above the rim if you can stutter step twice, stop and go, double dribble, carry the ball, um, you know, travel, then how are you going to defend it? So <laughs> sure. so your big guys who would have been defending well and keeping you away from that rim mm. can't do it because you've got all these different tactics you could use to get above mm. the rim. I said, you know, that's why I don't like the game as much as I used to. But the, the other reason, of course, is I'm an old curmudgeon. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, hey, um, chat to Phil Spooner yesterday and I think he picked this up on one of the American shows he, he said Mike and Mike maybe it was but they were looking statistically at the amount of points the amount of the percentage conversion of two points right. you have to you have to complete to match when Curry and Curry are on song with their three points yeah. it's almost it's 94% it's a ridiculous number which does that mean that when they are on form they're almost unbeatable well, no, because, well, they have to be on really good form. Mm. But, I mean, if you, you look at it, and, and I could do, I, I've done the math before, and I mm. should be able to remember it, but it, it's only about 40% of three-pointers is equal to yes, that's 50% right. of, of twos. Yes. Something like it's that. higher, I think, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. and Curry shoots over, you know, Curry and Thompson both can shoot over 50% yeah. on, on threes. Um, and they're, they're very hard to defend as well. And yeah. the other thing it does is it does, as we were just talking about, it opens up the the middle a bit, you know, so mm. your your guys can get offensive rebounds mm. because the defense has been pulled out farther and farther. Yeah. Um, it's it's we're basically watching a sort of European Europeanization of the uh, NBA game. What do you mean? In Europe, teams played when I was used to do Euro League, mm. which is probably about ten years ago now, maybe a little more. Before it's before we met, so it must and, be. Yeah, and um, Kevin Cale and I used to do it. Mm. You know, we each would do a game, and then you used went, to do with Cale, not know. with, except in the final four, and then we ah, would do the games. Like, oh, you But the two of us it. would were, we would do two games a week. One of us would do each ah, on Sky. Uh, no, it was on uh, Super Channel. Um, which Super was a, channel, it, it was a it was a it's a satellite channel out of the Emirates. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, 
The um, did you do it, just out of interest? Did you do it off tube, tube or did you? It was all, it? all off tube. Yeah. yeah, and the the um, the standard lineup for these teams was two big men and two wingmen and one point guard. Right. And the general pattern of play tended to be get the ball inside and then kick it back outside as the defense collapsed on you. Yeah. And it's kind of like the NBA's gone that way, mm-hmm. but the three-point shooters are now so good that you're getting an inverse of it. You're pulling the defense out because the shooting is so good, mm-hmm. and then you could conceivably get the ball inside. Okay. Yeah, it's fascinating to watch in that. And yes, um, I think there'll be games when Golden State has trouble staying in it because the guys aren't, aren't hot. But, you know, as we've seen with Steph Curry, when he, the game he came back from injury and, and he was so cold, um, and then in the overtime, he got 17, 17 points. That's right, in, yeah. In, yeah. Over, in overtime, and, and they, won, they won the game. I mean, that's, you know, when you get hot shooting threes, that's yeah. it. And when those guys get on a streak, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Let, it really is. And Clay Thompson had 11, in, in, you know, and Curry added, I think, six in that yeah. game. Uh, what's next for Kevin Durant, do you think? That's an interesting question, too, because there's a lot of good arguments to be made for him to stay in Oklahoma City, get one more player who might put them over the hump. Westbrook's got one more year on his contract, so the two of them could stay together for another year. And NBA salaries are going to bump up considerably in the in the next season af- after this, this, this coming one um, because the, the TV revenue goes up. Um, at that point. So I just saw a very good argument that he might be better off taking a short-term deal to stay one year in Oklahoma City Mm. and then become a free agent, and he'd make more money overall. Um, Now, there may be people willing to throw crazy money at him. I know know, fans of a number of teams have already been screaming they ought to get him, so he might not be able to resist that. But, you know, frankly, these guys don't need the money and if you know it, this is this could be his best chance to get a ring, short of going to say Cleveland to to be LeBron's wingman. Now speaking of rings, and you mentioned it in your roundup, of course, and Darren's got in touch with us via the Man Cave mailbag. Man Cave, thank you, Mike. Uh, he asked, "Can you see LeBron moving from Cleveland if they fail to win the finals?" Psychoanalyzing LeBron, I would say no. I I think he's happy where he is, and the question is. What can Cleveland do to get better? You know, they they made moves. Um, they've got they put together a team, presumably that he sort of wanted, and he's he's got Irving and and um, Fry and Love. You know, mm. so he's got these big outside shooting guys. So maybe they just need a a tough guy inside, mm. or you know, or something like that. Um, yeah, I I don't know what the reason for him to be to go to L.A. or somewhere like that would be at, the, at this point, apart from you know. Well, he doesn't need it, you know, more publicity or, yeah, sure. or whatever. Sure. Um, here's one from Jason Monday. Hi, Jason. Who's responsible for me not getting uh, my two weekly Steph Curry man crush <laughs> update? I think we can blame Hollywood for that, can't we, Harry? Seeing as he's not here, that's fair. Absolutely. It? Seems fair. Okay, yeah. fair play. Um, now, uh, if our listeners are intrigued uh, by the NBA finals and they fancy uh, a bit of a punt, Iron Mike, uh, what would you say are the smart bets? Your Unibet uh, betting for the NBA is interesting. Here's what you can do is is bet on who's going to win the series, but by how many games, yep. which is kind of more interesting. Yep. And the Warriors to win 4-2, which yeah. is what they did last year, is 5-1, to one, which is bad. pretty good. Yeah. If you think it's going to go 7, it drops to 5-2, to two, Interesting. which is still okay. Now, the Cavs to win... 
4-2 is also 5-1, to one, which I find interesting because the Cavs are an underdog. It doesn't. It seems to me that the, the odds should be a little bit longer. And for them to win 4-3 is 15-2. to two, So it's right. better better odds than, than Golden State. So, I mean, you can make your own choices on that. But to me, Golden State at 5-1, to 4-2 is, is kind of a decent flutter. Mm-hmm. Um, the most points in the series... Steph Curry is seven to ten on, so yeah. that that kind of figures. But I think LeBron at five to two is an interesting bet because mm-hmm. Le- LeBron is more likely to carry the Cavs yes. than than Steph is. It may be that the love you know, will be shared. Don't yeah, it, it may it may be that Clay Thompson you know has a couple of games where he's the big scorer. Yeah, right. Um, right. Draymond Green is sixty six to one, where Kevin Love is only thirty three to one to be the to leading one. scorer, scorer in the, Harry, in the series. Harry, how much do we have in the Americans <laughs> bank account? Oh, we definitely got enough to go on holiday with that one. Yeah, go and put 10 pence on uh, Draymond Green to be top scorer. And, and there's one other, the most assists in the series. Steph Curry's 5-2. to two. Mm. Um, LeBron is 3-4 to four on. For series MVP? No, to, to have the most assists, oh, most assists. in the series. Mm. And that's really, to me, very interesting. That they think LeBron is going to have more assists than anybody on his team or on the Warriors. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, he really is a sort of modern point forward, um, you know, as well as being probably the, physically the best player I've ever seen. Um, incidentally, if you want more tips from uh, I, Mike, uh, we made a video for, for you know, but That's as well, true. doing the rounds somewhere. So we'll put, post that to Harry. If we're going to be very busy this week, posting stuff on our social media channel. I love it. It's you not do. like he doesn't have anything else to do. Well, right? fair point. Hey, I tell you what, uh, that reminds me. We also had a lot of fun recording the return of Ask Mike. That was great fun. So thanks to all of you. Ask Mike is back. It is back, baby. There were um, some good questions there too. Thank you very much. There were some good ones. Absolutely right. Uh, keep them coming in because we're going to keep that going. Hashtag Ask Mike. Those videos will be released soon. All I'm going to say is that we're making use of green screen. That's <laughs> the first thing I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, the second thing is I and Mike and I did, uh, we channeled our inner mid-80s uh, WWE well actually we almost thought it was we it was kind of uh, like NWA like pre-WCW yeah. there's an element of that as well A- AWA AWA I think you, were doing, yeah. you were doing a Larry Nelson yeah I was doing Larry that's right mix a bit of Mean Gene in there Iron Mike was was doing Don Morocco to a T it was great stuff that, so look forward to that it's going to still come the greatest well. stand up of all time <laughs> Don Morocco and Mr. <laughs> Fuji doing on the WWE yeah, WWF uh, uh, what was it Tonight Show yeah the ridiculous Weird. cheap chat show <laughs> just brilliant <laughs> hey I'm uh, going to dive into the Man Cave mailbag Man Cave uh, thank you Mike uh, Darren wants to know how far will England go in Euro 2016 Mike um, not past the French border <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, I think we're going to have an alright Euros I think you know, I don't want to carry it away here but I think we could get it I could see us getting to the semis I really could if, if England vote if Brexit passes mm. on June 23rd, does mm. that kick them out of the European My mum actually asked that question on <laughs> Facebook today. She genuinely asked my sister that question. I don't understand. Are we still allowed to compete? Well, oh, there, there was a German guy who was interviewing people at, at London tube stations mm. wearing a sign that had Krauts for, Bre- for Brexit. And really? he was basically finding people who wanted to go out and saying he was agreeing with them. And then he got some UKIP supporters oh, who great. were who were talking about the, the the nouveau fascist party in Germany and how they were in agreement with them on on breaking up the European Union. Uh. And he goes, "But those people are idiots, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't the, the British guys don't know what to say." Yeah. Oh, lovely! You know, um, uh, somebody uh, a friend of mine on Facebook had uh, I can't remember who it was, but he'd uh, post a picture of him and Farage the other day, and Farage was in his, his kind of tweed. 
And he said, I know this is really hard to capture, and I know this is really hard to believe, but he's an even bigger twat in real life. It's <laughs> just a beautiful. He beautiful works hard at it. He does work hard at it. Um, here's one from James Clark. Darts in America. Discuss. We got oh, guns. We, we don't need, <laughs> might be we don't need darts. What I was up to at the weekend. Uh, thanks, 180. Had a great time there. Thanks to everyone who got uh, in touch and showed a bit of love on uh, on social media for the darts on Dave. It was great fun. I might, you were sorely missed. Quite a few people were saying, why weren't you up there with me on that? On I know. That it's, that's, you know I could, well, I, that would be quite I could nail darts. Maybe if we do our Mean Gene and Don Morocco for, uh, for Dave, would you try again? <laughs> we could do some I mean, Dave, yeah. Dave is the natural place for somebody like me. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you could say that. I, I mean, Great. It would be better than watching Top Gear. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, have you seen the new? Did you watch the new I, Top Gear? No, I wouldn't watch it. I did see a picture, though. Mm. I mean, Chris Evans with smart guy glasses and a leather jacket is mm. still Chris Evans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, then. We'll move things on. There's lots to get through. Uh, what are we going in next, Mike? Do you want to do some hockey or do you want to do some NFL? Um, what about baseball? Well, we'll talk about it. We haven't got a roundup for baseball. We'll, well you're supposed baseball. to do that. You're supposed to be a baseball Yeah, I'll be guy. busy. I'll be filming for seven Okay, well, I'll do days. NFL then. Okay. Football is my favorite sport. Now let me tell you about the rules. You throw the ball onto your butt, and then you kick him in the family jewels. Uh. Big news in NFL. Walter Thurman joins the parade of guys retiring early. He, he hangs him up at age 28, completely unexpectedly. Although it may have more to do with him not wanting to play safety anymore, uh, mm. which is what he did last year for the Eagles. Uh, Fitz and the Jets are still talking, but no closer, apparently, to a contract, and the Jets remain quarterbackless. Tom Brady is officially the most appealing player in the NFL history. The hearing en banc, as they say, all 13 judges of the U.S. Second Court of Appeal, uh, is what he has asked for, and he's brought Theodore Olson, the former Solicitor General of the United States, who was the leaker of grand jury testimony uh, in the Bill Clinton impeachment and was also the, law- the lawyer of choice um when george bush was uh, elected president by the Supreme Court. Anyway, it's his <laughs> lawyer. Um, I'm told that 99% of these appeals are denied, but as it happens, when Brady lost 2-1 to the uh, three judges from this appeal court, the one happens to be the chief judge of the 13, so he may have a slightly better uh. chance. He now stands 2-2 two and two with judges, since he won the first decision, then lost the second one 2-1. to one. The argument will follow the dissenting judge, Robert Katzman, his argument, which was was that Roger Goodell exceeded his authority to decide appeals and ignored the schedule of penalties for equipment-related violations. In other words, he, they will argue that his right as commissioner to make any judgment he wants for the good of the game can't overrule the rules that have been set down in the in the collective bargaining agreement for penalties for certain Specific, offenses. Specific, yeah, to that. Um, sure. And um, the, basically the judges who ruled against Brady were ruling on the fact that they just thought the commissioner has this authority. Mm. And it's become a really big case. They've got amicus curiae um, briefs from any number of people, including labor, the AFL-CIO, because this is a labor relations yeah, case right. now. It's not a ball-deflating case any, yeah, lo- sure. any longer. Sure. Um, and uh, my guess is that the appeals court will turn it down and Brady will then appeal to the Supreme Court. The point of all this is that the whole appeals process may well make him leave him free to play another season mm-hmm. before it's all decided. Um, although 
interestingly, if he missed the first four games of the season, it would probably be better for the Patriots than if he missed four games later in the season because they start with Arizona on the road but then have three home games that mm. Jimmy Garoppolo could probably help Jimmy them win. Jimmy Garoppolo! The Jags had more bad luck when their first-round draft pick, Jalen Ramsey, suffered a torn meniscus in his knee on the first day of rookie camp, eerily reminiscent of what happened to Dante Fowler yeah. last year, although it shouldn't have him out uh, for the season. Their seventh-round pick... A, Defensive end Jonathan Woodward, who was I thought was a really good pick in the seventh round, tore his Achilles the next day, and he's out for the season. The quote from uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick speaking while uh, playing at Willie Colon's golf tournament and watching Willie Colon play golf is something I would like to see. (laughs) It's a process. My value to the team is my value to a particular team, he said. Mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Florida State coach Jimbo Fisher says that Tampa Bay trading up in the draft of, into the second round to take kicker Roberto Aguayo, who played for him at Florida State, was genius. Quote, tell me what a guarded tackle is going to do there more than a kicker does in critical situations. How about block for the kicker, Jimbo? <laughs> um, in Fisher's defense, he noted the pick that the Bucks used was found money in the sense that they got it in return for going down in the first round. Though if somebody else who's not an interior lineman who was picked after Aguayo turns out to be a top player, he may need to revise that. And finally, Brock Osweiler says he wants tough love in Houston, where he's going to be the starter and play, but he needs to be, shall we say, reined in. Beautiful stuff, Mike. I'm going to dive straight into the Man Cave mailbag Man for you. Cave. Uh, this is from Simeon. Please ask Mike if he thinks the Raiders could move to Las Vegas or if he thinks they're just using it for leverage. Is this Simeon who's playing quarterback for... No different Simeon. <laughs> for <laughs> the Broncos? The Broncos, yeah, no, um, different one. <laughs> okay. Um, I, w- I, I would have said a couple of days ago that they were just using it for leverage. But I think that people are getting very serious about this now. Mm. Certainly they are in Las Vegas, but that's that will happen. Do you think um, they, they, they threw it out there to, to see I think, what the reaction I, I is I actually do, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and I don't think they will actually move to Las Vegas. I mm. think Oakland, they will probably stay in Oakland. Mm. Um, uh, here's one from Johnny. Uh, does Fitz not being signed by the Jets, which of course you mentioned in your roundup, uh, yet, yet dramatically increase the chances that we see Hackenberg mm-hmm. under centre? Of course, the player they drafted well, in the second round. Theoretically, yes, but realistically, no. Do you I, think the deal will be done think they, I don't think they're... I don't think they're planning on going ahead with having Hackenberg play yeah. at all. At yeah, all. I mean, if they can avoid it. Well, do you think the deal will get done then with Fitz? Is yeah. That your, yeah. yeah. It's a formality as opposed to... Uh, well, the problem... I mean, the thing is nobody else wants him and I can't see him sitting out. Here's an interesting Although question. Although he could wait, you know, he and, could and wait. wait for an injury and then he'd be the yeah. best guy available. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart point. Um, this is an interesting point from Joe. Hi, Joe. He says, thoughts on whether Gino, Gino Smith, he means, would be that much of a downgrade over Fitzpatrick for the Jets. Well, of course, he had the starting job going into last season and then got his jaw broken and Fitz stepped in and then had a, had a strong year. Yeah, and I always thought Gino was a pretty good fit for Chan Gailey, just mm. like Fitz is. I mean, there's they're similar quarterbacks in a way. And, I mean, Fitz had a good season, but plagued by failures in the clutch, shall we mm. say, um, and especially in the last game of the year, obviously. But but um, he's a streaky kind of quarterback. Yeah. And Gino, of course, is a bad decision maker mm. is so far in, in his career. If they could, So they may be comfortable playing Gino, you know, well, yeah, if, if, it, he's, it, it if has... he's coached along. Now, the weird part is Hackenberg doesn't fit the mold of either of those guys. No. Um, Maybe that's the point there, right? Yeah, they, it could be. Um, but it is strange with, with Gino that he had the starting gig. Uh, he got injured, so Fitz came in, and and when you're playing competently, fair enough, you hang on to the the starting 
job. But w- once it was clear that a deal couldn't be done at the level that Fitz wanted it to be done, why didn't the Jets just say, well, no problem, because we've got Gino and, and announce him as their starter again? He won the job against Fitz 12, 14 months ago. So it, why it's, a good, it's a good point, and I don't have a good answer mm. for that because I think the Jets were just playing hardball. Yeah. I think they, they sort of looked at the market and said, well, he's, there isn't really going to be anywhere for him to go. Once mm. I think once the Broncos were out of it, that was kind of it. Um, and they thought, okay, it's us or nothing. You know, we had a good year with him. We'd like to have him back. He'd probably like to be back, you know, with Decker and Marshall. Yeah. So, and Decker and Marshall want him back. Yeah. They're still still holding out? Or no, they're, they're, they're both, okay. they both they're showed both, up. They both rocked Decker up. said he wasn't holding out. He was just on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. You've seen his wife, yeah. Um, Walter Thurman, interesting story in so far as it's starting to become a bit of a trend now that players at the peak of their career or near the peak of their career retiring. Yeah, I, I heard... I, you know, the guys who are worried about concussion syndrome and stuff like that, you understand um, some guys are burned out a bit. With Thurman, I heard Jerome Bettis talking, and, and very convincingly, that, that Thurman disliked the move to safety so much mm. that it was much more wear and tear on his body. Yeah. Um, you know, he had to throw himself into tackles a lot more. Um, he just didn't want to do it. He wanted mm. to move back to cornerback. Um, and but he could have found a, found, a, found a taker for that. Though, well, he? the Eagles presumably could. That's yeah. An interesting point, you know, whether they could, whether he could just say, "Look, trade me, or I'll retire," yeah. or whether he's going, whether he'll come back after a year yeah, off right. to someone who'll let him play corner. Yeah. But as Jerome Bettis said, players have a nest egg now that's big enough to allow them to do this. Yeah. If he's got something else he wants to do, if he thinks he can go into media, or if he's yeah. got someone who wants to set him up in business, or yeah. you know, or, you know, something like that, then there's no reason why he shouldn't. If mm. you know, at, at age 28, if he's got three or four million in the bank, or you know, or however much he's got, probably mm. more than that. Mm. Uh, okay, lots uh, more to get into in terms of the uh, the man cave mailbag. So I'll save a few uh, for towards the end of the show. Mike, we'll rattle things along and talk Stanley Cup next. Hey girl, you know we'll be together for a long, long time now. Next week is my birthday and all. So I was thinking, what would be really hot is if you grew a mullet, put on some skates and cross-check me into the bedroom wall. Oh honey child, we're playing hockey now. In the Western Conference, the St. Louis Blues roared into the final after a 6-1 win in Game 7 against Dallas and kept their momentum going with a 2-1 win in Game 1 in San Jose. But two straight shutouts by Martin Jones put the Sharks up 2-1, and though the Blues evened it up at 2, San Jose won the next two comfortably to take the series. In the East, the Lightning looked to have got the better of the Penguins when they beat newly returned goalie Marc-Andre Fleury 4-3 in overtime in Pittsburgh, their second win in a row, to go back to Tampa up three games to two. But the Penguins went back to rookie Matt Murray in goal, won 5-2, and then got two goals from another rookie, Brian Rust, and more steady goaltending from Murray to beat Tampa 2-1 and advance to the finals. The Penguins dominated that game seven, forcing goalie Andre Vasilevsky, who was replacing the injured Ben Bishop, to make 37 saves to Murray's 16, and they continued that form in game one of the finals, winning 3-2 as they peppered Jones to make 38 eight saves. They play again tonight. They do, yeah. Yes. Later on tonight, tomorrow morning, whichever way you cut And it's it. an interesting series. I mean, the the Penguins are flying basically. They're you mm. know, they're playing great attacking hockey. Um and uh Chris Letang 
the, the defenseman is kind of at the at the center of that. The change with Mike Sullivan, you know, they're two, they're a different team than they were early in the season. Mike Sullivan's made a huge difference. They they're going with a bunch of young players, um, but Sidney Crosby looks like you know like playing. Um, the way he used to with Shiri, who who's another rookie on, mm. on the line with him, was really fast skater. Mm. Um, I don't know if Rust plays tonight because Patrick Marlowe elbowed him in the face and, mm. and he left the game. Um, and we're not sure if he's coming back. Um, the Sharks don't have that kind of speed. They're no. they're, they're more they're, they're, yeah they're more of a a slow team. Um, the Joes Thornton and Pavaleski are still their their big guys. Um, Brent Burns is is their version of Latang, the, mm. the defenseman who who carries the puck up. Up, and he's played very well through the the playoffs. And, and he had a good quote actually after the first game. He said because uh, of course they went down early uh, early on uh, two nothing down early on. And he said uh, to paraphrase him, but he said we just looked like we just felt like we were thinking that standing there thinking what the <laughs> are we doing here? We're you know completely rabbit in headlights. Yeah. So they'll be a lot stronger in the second game because they've they acclimatized. I, I would think so too. I just think. You know, I I love Matt Murray reminds me so much of Ken Dryden when he Mm. was a rookie playing in the Stanley Cups after just six NHL games for the Canadiens. I just think that he is the difference in the end. Martin Jones has has played really well through the playoffs, but I, I think he's the big difference. And I think... I think they will not be stymied when they go to San Jose. I think they'll mm. they'll play better on the road um, than than the Sharks will in Pittsburgh. Question from the Man Cave Mailbag, Mike. Man Cave. Thank you very much. From Rich. Hello, Rich. What can the Sharks do to stop Crosby? That's an interesting one because you you know what what teams try to do is is kind of like with Steph Curry with Oklahoma City. You try to chip him. You try to hit him as much as you can. Mm. Um, but his line is is so quick. They, they skate so well, and he's he's got such a good um, his, such a good sense of passing that it makes it really tough. If you if you if you cheat, he'll punish you uh, eventually. And, mm. and you know, he set up one goal in in, in um, the first game where he took it down the the boards on the left side and then just came to a stop. And as the defender just kind of skated Stood right past him, <laughs> and, he, and he then laid a perfect pass cross ice and backwards yeah. uh, to set up the shot. Um, he, it's it's kind of like the way you expect Sidney Crosby to play all the time. Sure. And, and I think the reason for it is that because they're coming at you in waves, yeah. that you can't really concentrate on just one player. Uh, Alex asks, Sharks or Penguins to hoist penguins. the Penguins. I picked the Penguins before it mm. started, actually. Uh, good. All right, Mike. Uh, let's move on to a bit of baseball, I think. Now I'll sneak some in. Apologies. Yeah, remiss for not doing around it, but I have had a bit of a nuts week, so I'll make amends for that next week. But let's talk about your Red Sox because they're on fire at the moment. Easy to talk about. You know, there's so much to like. Um, and I think last year I was talking about uh, what I liked about Tori Lavello when he was managing was the young giving the young players a chance. Mm. And that's basically what they've done now. You know, um, you've got Travis Shaw, who was a late call-up last year, playing third base when everybody thought, you know, he's too big to be a third baseman. Um, they use him at first a little bit. Ramirez has been playing first reasonably well, um, which leaves the outfield, you know, free. Mm. And, and Mookie Betts is in right, and, and um, he's played he's played exceptionally well. Um and had three home runs yesterday from 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 the leadoff spot, which is you know Ortiz is hitting better early in the season than I can remember him hitting. Oh, he looks like he's in shape. You know, it's he like really does. for his farewell season. But there you go. Is he going to renege on that? Do you think because he's playing so well? I don't it think tempting. so. It must be tempting. Though, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they'll keep him relatively fresh. But he's a DH. He's not going to get tired in the field. Sure. Bogarts is the real thing, which mm. we've known for a while, and and you know just looks great. At shortstop, Pedroia is there. Jackie Bradley. 
it took a couple of years, and but we thought you know he would come around eventually, mm-hmm. and he just had a what was it twenty six game hitting yeah, streak. streak. Bogarts is right now on a twenty one game hitting streak, yeah. and the only I mean I looked down the lineup, and and it's not like it's a one through nine murderers row, mm. but the only downside of it I see is that bets doesn't have a high on-base percentage, whereas Jackie Bradley's was over 400. Mm. But I can see why Betts is batting leadoff, because he's got that power. He's a great base runner, smart base runner. This is the best base running team I think the Boston Red Sox have ever had. Wow. And if they're not going to win, what's going to happen is their pitching will let them down. Yeah. so far, um, Price has pre- been pretty good. I mean, he's been dominant and good, but not really bad. Yes. Um, Lovello's been good. Um Buchholz has been awful and is, is back in the bull is back in the bullpen la- last I saw. Rodriguez came back and pitched well today, which mm. they they would need. But the, the re- to me the real joy is watching Stephen Wright, the knuckleballer, mm. pitch because his last two starts, his ball has just been un insane. It's been un-sane. you know the tuna the the start before last. I, I had a friend at the park and and I texted him and I said I'm watching this. I said and you know is it is it a humid night? there? Yes. He said, oh yeah, it is. Because yeah. his ball was just dropping. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was coming in and, and twisting and then dropping down. And he was just, just throwing the knuckler. And it's great. And you can catch, incidentally, if listeners aren't aware of this, MLB show a game every day, don't they? A free game yeah. every day. Yeah. yeah. So you can it's, it's catch great. free ball every and, day. Um, on the, the website. We had a letter in the Man Cave mailbag from Simon Croucher. And oh. this, this, coincidentally enough, real synchronicity, I saw a little thing on Facebook almost about the same thing. He said, Mm. I've recently become an Atlanta Braves fan after visiting the ESPN Worldwide Sports Center at Disneyland, Mm. which is where they had some training games. Um, And it's the only team shirt they sell in the shop. Mm. Have I made a wise choice or am I in for some long-term misery? Mm. (laughs) Well, Simon, (laughs) you're in for some short-term misery, that's for sure. (laughs) That's true. I mean, the Braves were a great team in the 90s and early part of this century. John Schuerholz, the general manager, Bobby Cox, the manager, they were well organized. They knew what they were doing. They were consistently good, built around pitching and defense. Right now, they're in kind of no no man's land. But the thing I saw on Facebook, it was a picture of the front seat of a car with the broken glass from the window. Mm. And and there was an envelope with tickets on the front seat. And the guy said, I left two tickets to the two Braves tickets on the front seat of my car. Mm -hmm. And someone broke into it. And left four more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Hey, when we had, we did a game in Atlanta back, it was our first season working together, I think. And um, was that we did the season? NFL game with the um, it was Atlanta and the Giants. Uh, the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bought a Tim Hudson Braves uh, shirt when we were there, uh, which I still got. So they've kind of they're my they're my second team, I think, behind the Cubs for that reason alone. So uh, Simon, I sympathise with you. Um, hey, Harry, I've got one for you from the Man Cave Mailbag. Okay. A question for Harry? Yeah, well, apparently so. I don't think we should, uh, we should, we should let it through. Let, let it roll. Let it roll. Okay. Uh, I, Mike, says so, then we'll make it so. Greg Matthews, what is Harry's favorite slash most believable conspiracy theory? Nigel Farage has been dead for 16 years. He's an animatronic <laughs> made out of Meccano leather and offcuts of skin from Michael Portillo. <laughs> <laughs> Harry. <laughs> That's real off That's vintage. Harry, that <laughs> producer. Love that. I, think I find a- that one, you know, fairly believable. Yeah, that is quite credible, Harry, to be totally I, uh, I first ascertained this when I met him at London City Airport about three years ago. London, of course, that's where you meet him. Airports London are City weird. Airport. I, I met Ian Paisley at an airport one time. However, did you find him? <laughs> oh, it was the glow behind his eyes. It was like, I've seen the omen. I know what that means. Oh, I see. Um, it, but you know, it's funny with... Trying to leave the country to, uh, to another, another country. That's I can't true. Believe well, that. I mean, his wife's German. 
Cameron. Yeah, he's know, a member of the European Parliament. I mean, it's, a, you know, it's like pissed he pissed takes it. the good part. Um, the thing with the thing with conspiracy theories, though, is is um, and and the worst guy at this is is David Aronovich, the Times journalist, yes. who who basically bought the whole weapons of mass destruction thing back in two thousand three. Yes, and and famously wrote, I think it was in the Independent. You know, if it proves there's aren't any, I'll never believe anything the government says again. Mm. Well, that didn't last very long. <laughs> but what he did to make up for it was to write a book about conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. and he put out the old kind of it, the canard, which is basically that if you believe that, say, weapons of mass destruction was a conspiracy, that they consciously created something that wasn't there, or if you believe Kennedy was shot by a conspiracy, mm. or if you believe any of these things, for which there is quite a bit of credible evidence, mm. um, you then have to believe in every conspiracy that's out there. Right. Whereas, so that you have to believe, for example, that the royal family are lizards from Mars, right. the way David Icke says. Oh, we says. didn't land on the moon. Yeah. And, and you can't say, no, I only believe this one, because you, you just can't pick and choose. Whereas the burden of proof ought to be the other way around. Mm. The government ought to always have to prove what they say. Authority always mm. should have to prove what they say, because they've been proven to lie. Too many times. Be wrong too many times. Sure. But... When you're a pun, you know, when you're a mainstream pundit, yeah. and, you, and you're you make your money basically um, supporting the powers that be, yeah. that's what you've got to say. Yeah. And there's a conspiracy oh, for well you. Oh, blimey, that's really that's probably twisting his head right now. Does that mean he believe it or not? <laughs> hey, how he listens to America? Well, I don't know. You'd honest. be surprised, yeah. Mike. You'd be surprised. We did land on the moon, right? That did happen. Yep, last okay. week we did it. <laughs> okay, good. I'm really glad. It took to a that. lot of building that ladder, yeah, but I mean, god they, damn it, we did it. A, a good one was um, they they the NASA tweeted pictures from Pluto mm. that, that the the satellite took back in 2015, mm. and Greta Van Susteren, who's a Fox mm. news commentator, oh, sh- I've seen said, her. "Why have they only released them now? It's our tax money. You know, this is what they do. Amazing. And it's, it's kind of like a conspiracy. I've seen I've seen her show because I I, I I dip into Fox. We might have talked about this before. I can, I'm, I'm trying to break my record of how long I can watch Fox News for before I have to turn over. Yeah. And it's about eight or nine minutes. But and I caught her show. I mean, it's just it's you couldn't make this shit up. I just no. can't believe it. Hey, um." Before we go, one final plug for our sponsors, Man Cave. The Man Cave Question of the Week you can get via the Man Cave app. Uh, download that, the American Question of the Week on the Man Cave app, uh, and uh, enter it and win lots of goodies. And the Unibet uh, URL, unibet.co.uk forward slash Americanage. Set up an account, uh, put, uh, have a flutter on the NBA Finals, and you'll get a £25 bet courtesy of our friends at Man Cave. Terrific stuff, I might like going old school with you. Touch it there. Harry, the producer, loving your work too. Gentlemen, it's been an honour. <laughs> I bet it has. Uh, until next week, I've been Adios, Nat He's been Iron Mike, and he's been Harry, the producer. We've been Americanage. Bye for now. Bye. All the jingles you hear on the show were produced by Nikki Spech. Go to nikkispech.com to find out more. The Americanage theme was written and performed by Daystar. Go to daystarband.com. This was an Americanage production.